0: hello everyone and welcome back for another week of growing with my fellow growers i'm your host jack greenstock joined as always by an amazing panel i'm gonna pass it over first this week to spartan grown
1: thanks everybody i'm spartan grown well thanks jack (laughs) not everybody (laughs) thank you jack Uh, i'm spartan grown you can find me on instagram at spartan grown otherwise um, you can get a hold of me through email at spartangrown at gmail.com and i'd be happy to help you with all your cannabis growing needs
0: Happy to have you back. Next up, we've got Dr. MJ.
1: Hey
2: guys, it's Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCanvas.com. I am sorry for my absence. I guess it's been two weeks in a row. I was out of town uh, setting up a new grow last week, which was a lot of fun actually. So I am back and kind of scrambling to try to catch up with everything, but I want to make sure to, to come and spend a couple hours with you guys
3: here today. So I'm looking forward to the show.
0: Happy to have you back. And next up, we've got The American One.
4: Hello, JAG panel, everyone in chat. I am The American One uh, on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Ekeens on the IG. And uh, yeah, uh, I believe now that DAG has got the beans back on uh, up listed on the site. So if you guys are interested in Amy Aces, you could uh, easily type in AmyAces.com and it'll take you to that page. And yeah, it's great to be here.
0: Great to have you back on time this week. Thank you. Uh, It's always good to see you right at the start of the show. I know sometimes it's tough to get here on time. I think we might have a few other panelists jump in, but you never know. It might just be the four of us this evening. But um, I didn't send any science out, as I mentioned that I might. I haven't still come across anything too uh, groundbreaking or super interesting. I'm still looking. So if you guys do find science, send it my way, and maybe you'll uh, get to see us review it on the show. But I do have some topics. If uh, you guys are interested, maybe we can uh, get a little bit of gauge from the chat interest and then the panel interest. But I was thinking maybe we could talk about uh, some breeders that we like. We could talk about cultivation methods like the different types. Uh, Training methods is another good one. Um, Technology, different technology, anything that's changed. I know it's a new year. Is there any new tech in your grow? Um, And then... I think that we'll just uh, go with those to start. So, curious if any of those topics are something that stand out to you as something you might want to talk about.
1: I just want to shout out to Seed Person One chat. He said, I look like a model. Thank you, man. That's the first time anyone's ever said, I look like a model.
4: <laughs> Speaking of Seed Person One, did you see did you your? Uh... Velvet Punch. Velvet Punch. Yes, very. That looked beautiful, dude.
0: It did look great. I uh, just noticed. I think Kyle was trying to hop in, but maybe, maybe he joined with the wrong name, and uh, maybe I didn't hit accept soon enough. So, Kyle, if you're still out there, if you're listening, uh, oh, go ahead and
4: yeah. Go he he did ask if the if you were doing the show. I put the link back in there, so hopefully you'll call.
3: I have no idea where I put my phone. That's right. Oh,
0: it's right in front of me. <laughs> uh, it's like when you're wearing your glasses on your head and you, uh, you know, don't realize that they're on your head and you're looking all around for them. So maybe that just happens to me. But um, as far as those topics, I feel like one that we haven't touched on for a little while is uh, training methods and maybe just discussing different options and the stuff that we prefer to do. Um, Cause it's been a little bit of a, bit since we've actually discussed stuff like that and i think that it's uh relevant for a lot of people out there so Tao, let's uh start off with you it looks like we've got kyle joining under his non-driver's license name now properly so good to see you kyle we'll go ahead and introduce you here in a second actually he's still joining for the people out there that are listening but it looks like we officially have kyle breeder with us now in the zoom so kyle why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself
5: yeah hey everybody uh kyle breeder here uh i've been a little bit absent due to some life stuff going on but uh things seem to be getting a lot better uh yeah if you're looking for feminized seeds i do have a website it's purebreeding.com i am going to be releasing uh some new varieties probably in two weeks from now which is pretty exciting some really uh some classic stuff but uh yeah pure underscore breeding on instagram kyle breeder on facebook and uh yeah feel free to reach out and i enjoy conversating and talking about
0: stuff so good to see you again happy to have you back and uh, we were just discussing that I hadn't sent any science out to the group I mentioned that we might go over some papers and then hadn't really found any uh, good ones that struck my interest quite yet so uh, if you come across any Kyle let me know but some of the ideas that I had for this evening uh, one of them that I kind of talked about was training methods and i was going to go ahead and start off by passing it over to the american one and uh talk about maybe how you like to train your plants and then uh some of the stuff that maybe you've tried in the past that maybe you didn't like
4: okay well i don't like the scrag i'll start out right there because you can't move your plants you gotta pretty much the locked in place and various <laughs> other reasons but i did do that once, so like i can i say at least i i know about it. i tried it um yeah it all depends on uh the plants like since i've run a lot of new seeds it's always, the plants are always different so like for instance when i did those two autos recently i pulled down the branches and secured them to the you know the, the pot and helped spread out the plant that way and that's actually pretty effective um i really don't do the super cropping where I, you know you you knuckle up the plant unless it's really a giant, ridiculously beast. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I, I, put, I put stakes in when they're when they're uh, you know not overly tall but need support. Uh, I do that a lot now recently. Do you and top? Uh, top? I do top. I top, and yeah, I guess that's a factor for sure. <laughs> and yeah. like that's what happened with those orders. So. Uh, and basically, from seed, I like to let them get at least three nodes, sometimes four, take, lop off the top one, and that leaves four, uh, three or four nodes. And a lot of times, that first bottom node, I, I don't count that one. A lot of times, the branch really won't uh, be vigorous out of there sometimes. Yeah. So I want at least two to take cuts from if I'm thinking about continuing on, or, you know, keeping that genetic. And if I do that, then I have four means coming up. And then I could tap them again if I want. But oftentimes I'll just have the four means come up. And that's what I pretty much did with those autos. And then I pulled down the four so that it opened them up and the like get to all of them. And it did actually pretty well. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Uh, sometimes I will, uh, even without a scribe, a couple of times I like stretched line from. Uh, you know, corner to corner or something like that for support. You know, but yeah, now I do the stakes. You get, you know, I get decent sized stakes to hold things in place. And do you yeah, use multiple per
0: it. plant, like on the outside, yeah. as like a, a outer depending support? On, yeah. Some people put them right next to the main stalk, like right up. Oh, the yeah.
4: Depending on the plant type, sometimes the plant only needs one, and the side branches will be able to uh, hold up the rest of it. Sometimes I, uh, <clears throat> you need them in, like all branches need a, a tie. So it all depends on the plant and the size and what I'm trying to fill up. And yeah, like that pretty much.
0: Well, very well answered, the American one. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I want to take a second to welcome in Matthew Gates. Hey
6: everyone, it's Matthew Gates, IPM specialist, plant health and uh, pest supporter and helper. Do we have a topic today, Jack?
0: Yeah. So we're talking at first about plant training methods and I was going to pass it next to Spartan Grown because the American one, we were talking about stuff that we're doing now and like, and then uh, stuff that we've tried in the past that maybe we didn't like and why. And uh, Tao, the first thing he said was, well, I didn't like the Scrog because plants get stuck in there. But I think Spartan Grown has kind of a unique and different approach to it. And uh, it's worked out for him. So I'm going to pass it to Spartan Grown and let him kind of describe how he's gone about making it more convenient to work with a trellis net. Uh, but still have access to each individual plant.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jack. Um, I too, like, like what Ta was saying, I hated the fact that I couldn't move my plants around when I wanted to work on them or whatever the reason, when I was locked into a scrog net. So I made individual scrog nets and I grow I grow only four plants per four by four or five by five area anyway. so it's just a matter of making four uh, PVC frames. That I can stretch a scrog net over for each one of those four plants, and so I, I just made it out of PVC for the supports, and then uh, use regular scrog net, or I can string rope, you know, jute, jute or hemp or whatever, and uh, that way, and then I have I've grown planters that are on in wheels that they have wheels on them, so I can just move the whole thing around, and the scrog net stays to that plant, so that I'm able to move them around. But uh, works for me. I really like it. Makes it easy for me. Actually, I use my those little those. The heights are all pretty much the same height on those, and that's I use that height. That's a specific height. That's pretty much half of half of where my plant needs to be. So, I know that I just need to get my plants close to the scrog screen, and then I can flip it, and then I can use that screen to spread it out and uh, support the plant enough to hold it where I won't need a second screen usually. I like that uh, method, and I'm glad that it works
0: well for you. It' A little bit of that work up front, I think, with the, building those little PVC frames for each planter uh, has paid off in the long run in allowing you to, especially as a perpetual grower, where you might have a different time of plants, but or even if you flip them all at the same time, sometimes you just have the one plant that's taller than the other one, and you're moving them out individually to... D-leaf is really convenient, having them on wheels where you can spin them around 360. I think a lot of the times people have pest issues uh, or molds and mildews, I should say, more accurately, but even insects as well, is because that back corner of the tent or that spot like where they just don't have access to, uh, it doesn't get seen and there's a lot of neglect that can happen when you're not able to visually inspect and uh, maybe remove some dead leaves or stuff that could have leaf on top of leaf. So. Yeah. I think want to answer
1: real quick a follow-up question they had in chat someone who was a uh, monster mash was asking what's my best option for the string they hate how the stuff they use phrase when they cut it I don't cut my 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 nuts that I if I use the string I usually will use if I use the plastic stuff I'll cut it it's just way easier the because of the same reasons you're talking uh, when I'm using string I don't cut it for that reason. So I'll just uh, unhook one end, and then just un- unwind it all the way across, and then I'll cut my plant down and pull it out of the, out of the frame. Uh, but that was a good question. I don't cut my Scrog screen when it's made out of string. I just unweave it. I'm gonna go ahead and share a screen so people can get an idea
0: of what Spartan's uh, little setup looks like with the PVC and it looks like maybe you used like twine or something in this one but it uh gives you a little bit better understanding it at the beginning of the post will pan out that's super frosty cobra milk looking fire this was a little while back i think i scrolled back but you can see the pvc
1: there with the screws where he's got the line tied in so just use a self-tapping screw and those are really short they're not very long Um, they just barely go in there just enough to hold the string.
0: Doesn't have to be super long or crazy because, uh, like you said, you're just kind of tapping into the PVC. But whatever this—I uh, don't know how long this is, or if I could restart it from the beginning. But at the beginning, it'll pan out, and uh, you'll be able to see the individual. There we are. There we go. You can see the each plant has the little PVC frame around mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, perfect. And uh, next up, I'll pass it to Kyle Breeder and ask, uh, or actually Spartan, have you? tried any training methods that you
1: didn't like that i didn't like um hmm. i'm not a big fan of of really heavy what do they call it super like when you're really really hard top not topping um bending branches over and stuff like that it's really easy to break them completely off and i've had i've done that well that's my error i didn't do it correctly and, and broke the whole damn branch off but i i don't like to do those really intensive bends like that, unless I absolutely have to, Um, I try to get, you know, get on that issue before it gets to be that big of a problem. Now, the reason I'd have to bend one over like that is it got, you know, it stretched really tall and it's got too big and I've got to get it down. So I had at least weeks of notice that that was happening as it was growing and I chose to ignore it. So it's still my fault. <laughs> on that so it's not like that the training technique is wrong or in any way I, i'm not i don't want to get that across it's just that it doesn't work for me in my situation um it seemed like that hard bend over is more like a oh shit i fucked up and i'm trying to fix my fuck up
4: Speaking of that i want to add i don't like that fml oh wait fim i don't like the FIM technique trying that i don't think that's uh for me anyway but i know some people love that so i just want to throw that out there they the
6: fml technique isn't very useful for many people <laughs>
0: yep it can be discouraging but the FM uh you can get a lot of tops really quick but i don't like the uh it, unevenness it, it and unpredictability it, yeah
4: thank you that's
0: they're not uniform like when you do a general topping you get two very beautiful uniform shoots that come out of it and you know exactly they're going to grow that way and that way and you can kind of even train them to fill out yeah. the space but when you're fimming they kind of start going all over the place but some like you said some people do really love it and uh next up i'm going to pass to kyle breeder and ask what uh is your preferred training method and is there any training methods you've tried in the past that you didn't like
3: uh
5: yeah i'm kind of only i mean i guess if i was like cultivating four flower i uh, i probably have a more directed regimen but because i'm more or less just uh you know breeding cannabis and making seeds i'm more of like a freelancer and uh and basically a lot of the cuts that i have or 90 all of my cuts that i have that i've had for quite a while now uh they kind of just do their own thing man and uh i think maybe one or two of them towards the very end i need to put a stake or two to kind of um you know obviously keep them from bending over or leaning all over the uh, you know my the walls and stuff like that but uh, the varieties I choose or that I have are, are, are I'm pretty blessed you know in general in some way because they just kind of uh, they all just do their own thing man I don't train I don't do anything I mean I'll top but I don't top for more well that's not true I do top for more shoots because obviously it entails more seeds you know more flower um but i i typically am topping to control speed because it gives me a, a few more days for it to kind of focus on his lowers and uh because i have like a blueberry tie strain that just wants to get wicked tall but and the reason why i keep it because it's like such a nuisance of, of its height but it's like the most extreme blueberry terpenes i've ever it's like it's like wet like those, the stem is so greasy that it's like wet when you go to touch it it like slides down but uh Reg- yeah. So in regards to training, uh, I don't really do much. Yeah. You know, again, some, some topping for more shoots and stuff like that, but I kind of just let them do their own thing. Uh, things that I've tried. Uh, I did do. So in the very beginning I did LST and uh, I know it is kind of a nuisance, uh, like Spartan said, to kind of be doing that. Cause I have broken branches, but the turnout is like beautiful, man. I did, I had a pineapple express auto and some other ones I did do that too. And it is, you're kind of down there doing it every day and keeping them, keeping them down and and tying them down. But, uh, the final, the ending product is is pretty nice. Uh, I had like just all huge main colas everywhere and it looked like a chandelier, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, um, but I don't think I could do scrog. I think it's, I feel like that's really, I see beautiful pictures of people scrogging and it's very consistent, but I think it's, I would probably have a hard time trying to, Cause I'm always pulling things out and checking things and and pruning things. And I I just think it would be, I'm sure I'm assuming there's some downside to trying to scrog, uh, in some ways or another, but, um, but yeah, that's just, that's just what I do.
0: Is there one that you tried in the past that you didn't like, uh, or was that like LST you were kind of saying, you just have to be a little bit too active and you can break the branches on accident
5: yeah yeah i'd say i guess it's. i mean because I've, I've i've super cropped uh super cropping can be a, a difficulty too because some stems are if, if the stems are some varieties are like real uh, hollow so super cropping on those aren't a good idea but uh i think they all have a purpose in some way or another you know it just depends on what you're trying to achieve and stuff like that but uh yeah i would just say i guess if i had to pick one i'd, I'd say uh hardcore lst could be uh you know maybe problematic
0: yeah, it's definitely easy to uh, break branches and uh, that can be a bummer when they don't recover, even if you try and tape them or do whatever. Uh, but I'm going to pass it next to Dr. MJ and ask the same question that I've asked everybody else. Do you have a preferred training method that you go to and uh, any ones that you've tried in the past that you didn't like?
2: Yeah, you know, my own plants, I usually mainline them um, or at least manifold them, like top them a couple of times in a fairly regimented way, spread apical dominance and and try to, to create, you know, usually eight really even branches, main branches to grow up. Um, I've been thinking a lot about training. I mean, it depends on on scale. Like, usually I'm growing like, you know, one plant and four square feet, like four plants in a four by four, two plants in a two by four um and i want them to sort of spread out i want to spread the the dominance around i don't want to have just one big cola and i I don't want to have to keep keep take care of i guess so many different plants like i don't it's not necessarily the most efficient way to grow because you're spending a long a fairly long time in veg and kind of training the plants that way um so you know in like a commercial situation in terms of production i'd go with smaller plants um shorter veg time i was also thinking about training moms for for perpetual cloning too and and that's really sort of a different thing although topping the moms early and sort of trying to spread them out into a big wide plant fairly similar to sort of the way i would grow my flowering plants at home but um I I guess all of that sort of just goes to say, like, it it depends on what your goals are. Your limitations are what's going to be sort of the the best training method for you. Um, if you want to turn a crop over as quickly as possible and sort of get as much as possible, then probably go with more plants than I grow in the same amount of space. And and you'd be able to have a, a shorter veg time and fill up that space, do less training. Um, But, you know, it's easier on on a different level to only have two or four plants to take care of. Um, So wherever you sort of fit into on those various things. I prefer what are often called high stress techniques, but they're lower risk. Um, like the low stress training LST, which is just bending your plant over. I think as a few of you have already said is fairly high risk. Like you can break the branch right in half and do real damage to the plant. Whereas like topping is like higher stress on the plant, but it's, it's lower risk. Like you're, you're not going to screw it up that badly and you're not going to accidentally break the plant because you're like literally cutting the plant off at the head um you know so i kind of prefer that i I like things that are are repeatable and and sort of they'll duplicate really well not just sort of for myself but also so i can help other people and sort of know what's going to happen with their plants um and that's one of the reasons i I think i really like sort of the the main line of the manifold strategy for that um you know, I think it was Tao said something about like, you know, different stakes to hold up the plants. I definitely use stakes too. And I found that it's not so much about holding them up. In in my case, at least I'm trying to grow the plant out much wider than the pot is. So uh, it's more about spreading the plant out. Um, Some plants also need to help sort of holding themselves up when they get heavy towards the end of the flower and, and they can't sort of support their own weight. But generally, if I'm growing like that, eight main plants, each main is trained out away from the center of the plant um, and sort of held in that position. So a, a lot of that sort of the the stakes or the the training that I'm doing that is about sort of positioning and spreading the plant out. I hear people often talk about like tying their plants down when they're training and sometimes down is sort of where the anchor point is and that makes sense but i think the goal generally should be and there's obviously exceptions in like really short spaces or whatever but generally i think the goal should be spreading the plant out not tying the plant down um again sometimes that's the same thing
4: i think yeah uh... that's what i was going to say that's why i do that i pull when i when I have to yeah, the yeah, three, no, and I, and yeah, three, yeah. I wasn't even yeah. thinking
2: about you saying that because I, I think you were specifically right you tie it down just because that's where the anchor point is, but some people when they're doing main lines, though will really like try to get the main branches growing like as low as possible and they think like having a 90 degree angle from where like the main stock comes up to the side right. branches is like really important or something and they're all about kind of like tying it down. and and that can be dangerous they can actually sort of create splits and yeah that's where you get the splits
4: yeah i just don't think
2: that's necessary our goal is always to just go out and yeah I, i i do think that that's what you're doing though
4: yeah but you're right that there is a danger of and one must also be careful if they're really growing fast and you tie it down like that yeah it'll grow like the next day so so much that it will it, it'll be fine when you tie it down but then the next day it'll be split apart because it, it'll the, split itself yeah. right open
2: yeah plants can definitely so you if must you be careful it, yeah if you tie top a plant and then tie down both of the branches to opposite sides of the pot which i see a lot of people do when they're mainlining um yeah. a vigorously growing plant will absolutely rip itself in half um so be careful with that I I don't really think there's much need to tie the branches down (laughs) early in the mainline training process um later after they've grown a bit you can kind of start spreading them out but I I think that there's too much effort on sort of keeping those branches early low sometimes and yeah it, it rips plants apart
0: I would tend to agree because I actually used to try to do like the exact mainline method that I saw replicated because I'm in a really small space and I wanted like at least eight nice tops on a plant and from seed, you can pretty reliably get that first topping and then start tying it down or directing it even just outward. Um, But oftentimes it's depicted as being tied down. And sometimes even with this, something as heavy as like a metal, uh, like a like a metal wire that's like bent and uh put into the soil and with a vigorous plant i have seen very often not like once twice but like dozens of times where people's plants split right in the middle yeah
2: they've ripped themselves apart it's
0: like funny enough coupled with another one that almost everybody here has said that they don't like which is lst (laughs) when they're taking those two plants uh you've topped it now it kind of looks like a y and you're kind of pulling the uh tops of the y apart and then it just it's like it can only go so so far, like a person, I guess, with flexibility until it actually splits and causes damage to itself. Uh, some of them can really take it. And I also have noticed um, as the guy who got, I guess will throw my hat in the circle for, I'm an LST fan and I do like LST. I just like to have hands on the plant. It gets me in the garden more often and makes me uh, look at the plants a little bit more closely. And I've heard some old school hippie voodoo about topping and some people really hate it. And I've tried a couple of times just to go without topping a plant and see how to manage a plant with, because for me a long time, uh, topping was just the way it was like, you're always going to top, top, top. And, uh, so learning to like LST and I think more so just like, I appreciate like the bonsai element of that. Even when I was doing, um, mainlining back when I think that it's more of like a, a challenge i guess or like a bonsai technique than a practical commercial type grow or even home grow um, because you can get the main line as like a y versus like a t if that makes okay. sense like doc was saying it doesn't it's not an uh, imperative that the plant is unless you're in like a two foot tall grow cabinet um, it doesn't necessarily need to be at 90 degrees to the soil from the in fact stalk.
2: i think it's stronger as a y than it is as a t i think that's a good analogy right But a y is a stronger base and it, it, it like later on we'll be able to grow bigger branches off of that if you really tee it off too strong i mean it's great in a situation where you're trying to keep a plant in a three-foot-tall closet or something right but if you're trying to grow a big plant that way i think it's much better to have a y than a t
4: You know, when I was littler, I tried, uh, at one point I put weights on my branches, like I had this chain and I I would put chain on it so it would bend down and, you know, away from the plant. But yeah, I know that's ridiculous. Don't. There's a company that that sells little plant
0: weights and like low stress trainer bands. They have like these tiny (laughs) little
4: like lead balls
0: or whatever that they hang like on little hooks. And, uh, hey, hey. I showed this a long time ago and there's
4: like I mean, a whole bunch works, of it works, but yeah, it's not a feasible idea if you have many plants and yeah, it's just, I don't think it's so such a great idea, but it's finding a solution for yep, a problem yep. that doesn't necessarily
0: need a solution, I guess. Like there's lots of other ways to go about it and it doesn't necessarily even need to be done um, because there's different ways of growing the plant that don't require that, that will still end up with lots of grape bud and uh, avoid i think some of the reasons like a lot of people really like the um, main lining there's a guy like nug buckets who made it pretty popular i think for a while Um, he got his method was pretty popular but one thing that a lot of people liked was it made visually good looking buds like you had like eight nice spears that were uh, pretty easy to trim and it very often prevented people from getting mold or mildew because he recommended like a tomato cage and essentially you'd have like eight colas tied to a tomato cage all around the outside and none of them were touching each other or on top of each other. And um, by doing that, growing away from the center of the plant, where the plant's tendency, as many of you may know, is just grow straight up. Like if you've seen an flower without being topped, it's got that apical bud right in the center. And then everything else kind of wants to be semi-snug unless you pull it away from that. And you can get molds and mildews and less airflow and things like that. So I think some of these training methods can. And I guess this is a good time to pass it over to Matthew. Um, do you have anything like from a home grow or even commercial perspective, like that would be your typically recommended thing, or do you make it more catered to like, depending on the environment, if it's more humid or if it's drier and things like that, like, um, how do you think about uh, plant training when you are approaching from an IPM perspective?
6: To be honest, usually I am just working with the conditions that somebody else is growing in. I'm usually not recommending people to go a certain way or another. Though I will say that, uh, like Dr. Coco and other people, uh, the mainland, the main, I think main lining is my preferred choice uh, for cultivation. Though I I have have experience with the Y growth, I kind of felt like it would be less strong than the mainland or mainland. You say mainland occupational hazard, uh, the main lining, but um. You know, that was just for a, a moment because I was thinking we were just talking about things ripping apart. And so I could totally see if it sags or if it gets really heavy on both sides. Like I've seen it split in half, but that's not necessarily uh, an indictment of its ability to be structurally sound.
3: Um, I guess I will also say that thinking about it a little bit more. Uh, No, I don't think that's actually very relevant. I think that's all I have for that. Usually
6: it's not a massive um, effect on IPM, but uh, if you have a lot more foliage, that can have an effect on coverage and things like that, I suppose. But that's probably going to happen regardless of what you're training with unless you just cut off and defoliate all your leaves.
0: I was going to say that is often something I see recommended when people have an outbreak of pastas too. Remove all the infected leaf or just a large amount of leaf so that you can better get uh, p- like pesticide applications in there, and remove physically just remove a decent chunk of the population before going and applying maybe a predator or something like that.
6: Yeah, that can be helpful because you're maybe getting rid of some of the pests as well if you're targeting them. Or you're just making the surface, there's just less less surface area to get infected in the first place or to move
3: around on it. But, you know, there can be some, there's a cost to that too.
0: If you notice that somebody was having like issues with like powdery mildew or uh, bortritis, would you recommend maybe like topping more or de-leafing or or something like that to try and maybe provide more airflow or something like that just to, because... I don't know if that falls under IPM or general cultivation practices and like where, if you're comfortable stepping in and like suggesting something like that, or if that's something you're going to leave to the cultivation people.
6: Generally, I wouldn't suggest those for, um, or those techniques for like abating like powdery mildew botrytis. If they already have the problem, I feel like, yeah, there's usually more significant factors, but creating a bunch of wounds can be problematic for its, for its own sort of issues. So, in some ways, that would not be so great. But yeah, you're right. Generally speaking, um, whatever I recommend has to fit in to the, the set and setting of the cultivation. And usually, a lot of times, people kind of they have their way of growing. And usually, things like whether they decide to uh, top and how they decide to top and how they decide to cut the plant and, and those horticultural techniques, they're usually not a massive. Impact on the pest pressure, um, or at the very least, there are usually more proximate problems to deal with, if there are any at all to deal with.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I think that maybe the one exception there, Matthew, would be you know if somebody was just growing little on top plants with gigantic colas that were repeatedly, repeatedly getting botrytis, right? And you're just Like I could imagine a situation like that where I'd be like, all right, guys, we got to either, you know, we got to change some aspect of cultivation so that we're not growing these giant buds that are always getting botrytis. We might be able to do that by changing some other aspect of the IPM protocol or changing the climate in the room, but... I think I would probably bring up, you know, training, topping, doing something different with the the cultivation regime. If that was an ongoing problem like that with Botrytis.
6: Yeah. With the, uh, I was mostly thinking about like the leaf canopy and um, stripping leaves. I was on that, yeah. uh, that vein, but that's a really great point. And, um, I feel like I say it a lot now recently, but yeah, those compact buds are really going to bite people in the butt. And I'm,
3: you know, especially sad about that because it's very aesthetically pleasing. yeah, it's it's an issue to think about.
2: and and you know different strains in changing a protocol like that in a commercial facility could be really complicated, you know, just saying them, "Oh, you should chop these plants. Well, that might add a week or two weeks to the cycle rotation, and they might not be able to sort of easily fit that into their their cultivation plan um
6: and that's if they're even aware of what those effects could be um but like you say yeah some people are really on it and they know maybe because they've done it before that that'll that that effect is likely but in a lot of cases people are not even aware what the effects could be and so understandably reticent for a lot of the reasons you
3: just mentioned yeah
0: yeah yeah i wanted to uh touch back a little on training methods and one that a lot of people I think I've had bad experiences with is super cropping because oftentimes they break the plant or it doesn't leave that desired knuckle. And um, something I've noticed is if the plant is super dry, then it tends to not take to that training as well, or LST in general, because those are two that I use very often. Um, Super cropping. I typically reserve for that top shoot that is dominating the rest of the, uh, you know, pack and it's way out above everybody else. So I'm trying to even it out and just make a little bit more even canopy. But when uh, sometimes I'll just go through and super crop or not super crop. Uh, there's not really a term for what I'm doing, I guess. Um, it's it's more like LST, I guess, but like massaging it and not quite making a full pop in stem, just like loosening it up a little bit and massaging. You
2: soften it. the tissue at the place that it's going to bend.
0: Yeah, where it's not like a full crunch and it's not right. going to leave a knuckle, but it makes it a little easier to just lay it over. And but it uh, bends
2: right there where you softened it. As opposed to like in a, a real LST will just have an arc, right? The whole way, like the whole branch will just sort of arc over in that direction. Where I think a scrop or a super crop is when you soften it in one spot so that like the branch only really bends in that
0: one spot. And I'll do that to, like, the majority of my stuff. Like, every little branch that, as it is coming up, I'll kind of push them away from each other so that they're not just growing up, like, right side by side. I'll I'll do one, like, yeah. diagonally, all different directions away from the center of the pot. And um, the main one, I'll actually hit with, like, a hard, kind of, like, heavier crunch and, and pull. Um, but even then, I'm, <laughs> like, a little bit hesitant to go too hard because breaking that top shoot is sad so i probably am more on like the softer and still on that so sometimes i'll have to go in like the very next day and it's right back up you know two or three inches above everything again which i'm actually fine with um it might get do you tie deep. it
2: down when you fold it over
0: no i don't tie anything at this point um just kind of using- yeah
2: my plants so always like super cropping would be would be pointless if i didn't tie them down then because they will just they'll just stand back up the next day
0: I like that though. It's like, um, if you time it right, they fill out your space pretty well. And at a certain point when they stop the stretch, um, you no longer have to do it. And they just kind of sit and you've got these, uh, branches. The thing that I really like about super cropping in my experience is that bud always just looks so frosty. If you do get that nice fat knuckle, like when you successfully get it. Um, in my experience that has always been like one of the better buds or at least better looking. And, um, I don't know what it is, but it always, like I've tried to dissect the knuckles and it's always, it's never a hollow stem. That thing is always like rock solid. It's like one of the hardest parts of the stem. So it something in that cell tissue breaking and then like rebuilding, it's something like, I think of it kind of like a bone. When a bone breaks, it actually rebuilds stronger. And maybe that might be kind of a similar process with with what is happening in the uh, plant. So it looks like we do have some questions though um, from the chat and we'll go ahead and answer these too uh we did chat q a last week and i'm gonna get to a couple other topics after we answer these so
4: before we get off training i want to shout out hemp with Gigi because so far he is like the uh the uh i consider him one of the best uh persons to explain how to uh fill up that 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 canopy with training and other uh other methods i really uh I'm impressed every time I see his canopy, it's always covering and spot on. So yeah, he has some good YouTube videos on explaining how he does his. So I'll throw that out.
0: Shout out to HempelGG. There's a guy on Instagram also, the Northern Scrogger. I think he's a Canadian dude. He grows like two plants side by side. And um, I will say the one drawback of that is you have to veg a lot longer to do that style of grow, but for limited plant count people to fill up the space that he does with the limited plants he does with beautiful, nice, even canopies and, tons of uh, frosty top but it's pretty impressive so cheers to them lots of great people in the community that deserve their flowers literally and metaphorically uh, so i'm happy that they're growing them and keep on growing but flavor chasa 2926 says at spartan grown i'm going to try full organic soon and there's so much information out there i was looking into build a soil 3.0 would you recommend or
1: suggest another route for a newbie or to organic so spartan um, first of all, I wanted to bring this up on the show because I think it's a great question for, that a lot of people can benefit from. And um, organics can be, be, organics is one of those things for me as a gardener that makes my gardening far easier than when I was in synthetics in the regard of the watering tasks, I think mostly, but in um, fertigation and all that. But, uh, but it's far, far harder on the information gathering and learning and, and because once you go down that organic wormhole, it, I mean, you could just, you can get buried by information and just completely confused. Um, so as a beginner, I would recommend, instead of trying to go out and build your own soil to do exactly what, um, who was the original question asker on this, I've already forgotten the name. It was flavor chase or fl- flava chaser. Um, is exactly what you're suggesting. Get a pre built soil. And yes, absolutely build the soil. What Jeremy's doing out, out there is um, he's doing great things. And uh, he's even sending all of his inputs to be tested by a third party rather than just taking the manufacturer's word for it. So I think that's really great uh, what he's doing over there for build soil. So that build a soil, soil 3.0. Yes. I would, I haven't used it myself though. So I can't like give you firsthand knowledge, but in the organic spirit of things, what you should be trying to source is an all-in-one soil like that, that you could walk into a store and buy, you know what I mean? The, the least amount of miles that, that you can put on that bag of soil, the better. So um, in my case, there's, there's a, there's a soil blend here in Michigan that um, I can walk right into my local grocery store and pick a bag of that up and bring that home with me. And that's build the soil. All right, it's not build the soil It's M3 mix, Michigan-made mix. But um, I'm not sure what your location is, but there's probably probably a, a, a some kind of a grocery store near you that you could walk in and just grab a, a bag of soil and it's gonna save you money on shipping. But yeah, Build-A-Soil, if that's your option, that, then that's your option. Go ahead and grab it. I'm not saying that's a bad option. That's a great option. Um, but I would like, like you to source if you can more local, if you can, <laughs> I mean, if you're in Colorado, that's local, that's a local choice. Um, but other like- than that, yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. Get that, get you a sip container. I prefer city pickers earth Box is another popular one. Um, I just think that the city pickers are, are a better size that fits better in a four by four, uh, that will make the watering way easier on you and that's what's usually a lot of people struggle with um, all you have to do is fill water through the tube uh i usually actually i can tell you on a city picker it's a gallon you can put a gallon i think it holds almost two gallons so when i look down the tube and i see it's empty i put a gallon in. i know it's not going to overflow and i know that uh it's going to be plenty enough water for that plant well and even if you did overflow it they're built with a
0: i have overflow. one i'm growing plumeria <laughs> and i just take a hose and i spray it Cause I don't really, I'm not taking the areas as seriously as I do my cannabis. So I'll just take the hose, spray it in that hole until I see it start running off the side. There's like a little level it gets to. And once it hits that level, instead of going into the soil, it just drops out the side and then runs yeah. off. And um, so even if you make the mistake of giving too much water, it's not going to like waterlog your plant, which is kind of a brilliant
1: solution. Yeah. And that's as a beginning organic grower, I think that would be that would set you up in a pretty good spot to be successful.
0: Even experienced organic growers, I think often are overwatering or underwatering and not realizing it because it's so hard to time it just perfectly. And I think there's something about the system, whether it's a city picker or earth box of keeping that moisture in the soil where it's sealed all the way around and you're keeping the microbial life alive. The Mm -hmm. roots up top are a lot healthier than I've ever seen when I grew in pots. So uh, I really like that system. I'll also shout out like Costa Maine has like Stonington blend there's like Stepwell, uh, Living Soil for like Canadians. Uh, There's so many good ones out there. So just uh, talk to maybe your local growers. Brandon Rust, shout out to Bokashi Earthworks if you're in Oklahoma, or even if you're not, I think he does small bags in the mail for a home grower. So if you're trying to get started, he has a start to finish that he's gotten like lab tested and balanced for cannabis specifically. And um, gosh, there's so many good ones out there. I drawing a little bit of a blank but i follow a few really yeah i mean i encourage
1: if you have a if you want to explore like a local you can shoot me a a message on instagram or jack a message on instagram um or shoot me an email spartangirling gmail.com and we we can you can ask questions back and forth and you know i'm sure everyone on the panel will answer questions so if you have more questions that are more specific like that you don't feel free to ask
0: I got a bag of the M3 because I was curious. I was hearing really big claims from a, actually a guy in Massachusetts about his uh like grams per watt with a certain lighting system using that soil. And I was like, I got to try this stuff out. So I got myself a bag. And uh, the second time I got it was actually in Arizona. I picked it up at a grocery shop. Uh, they carried it out there. Funny enough, I'm on my way back from my in-laws. But
1: um, I've been yeah, distributed all over. They were down in Florida not too long ago. Uh, Shout out
0: to M3 Swan Swanson. He's got like a patent on that soil. He gets all of his stuff tested for heavy metals as well. I'm sure he's uh,
1: passed. He's passed. So I don't know who's running that. Oh, man. Well,
0: there's a lot of really good guys over there. Every time I called, I got taken really good care of by the people. Um, They're friendly, had tons of information. And uh, he's left a good legacy behind because a lot of people have grown a lot of dank in that soil. And uh, the M3 mix is like what he markets marketed towards the like normal growers for like tomatoes or whatever vegetable plants. It works well for a lot of stuff. And then like in Michigan, the laws have the word marijuana and it's spelled like with an H. Um, so his M3 mix, like you could also find it by typing in the medical marijuana with an H mix. So like M3 was Michigan made mix and it's also a medical marijuana mix. And so shout out to uh, Swan for creating that. And I grew in it and uh, I actually hit the claims funny enough after a long time trying it, uh, the guy said he got like two grams per watt with a uh, Cobb LEDs and M3 soil. And I was like, okay, let's see eventually. And uh, I actually found out it's, it's better to not chase that grams per watt. I think grams per square foot per year, I think is the better way of going about things. But all that being said, I really love the M3 and uh, shout out to Jeremy at build a soil because I use Spartans uh recipe with that craft blend. It makes it pretty easy. Um, I use that. And then the big six micronutrients plus humic acid, water that in one time and then I'm water only the rest of the time. Maybe I'll give some amino uh, N plus from Brandon rust, uh, Bokashi earthworks. And then maybe some Bokashi or uh, also Bokashi earthworks. It's um, the micro plus, but otherwise I found, that with organic sometimes less is more so when i was reamending i was going a little bit too heavy and i even started to like almost feel like i could taste some of the like organic inputs in my flower and maybe it was just in my own mind but when i cut it back i wasn't having any less yield and the flavors i feel like we're expressing a little bit better and the plants didn't necessarily suffer so i definitely uh found out that you don't need to go super super heavy-handed with some of these amendments uh especially if you're not in a giant pot but we've also got uh Question from Scrubs Shrubs who says, "Does using Bacillus in foliar spray prevent botrytis and powdery mildew?" I will pass that to Matthew.
3: Can you say that again?
0: Does using Bacillus in a foliar spray fight botrytis or botrytis and powdery mildew?
6: There are there are Bacillus products you can buy. There there are Bacillus species that do well against uh, both them, but. I was just actually talking about uh, Bacillus amyloliquefaciens, which is really common to be used against botrytis and other bud rot pathogens. Um, really good research report that came out that showed when they applied, um, they actually applied several microbial uh, parasites and competitors. Two of them were fungi. I think one of them was a bacteria, and that was the Bacillus.
0: And the one that you just said wasn't BT. What was the second word? Ameloque fashions or K fashions or qui fashions. So is it BA or BK? What's the abbreviation for that bacillus? Or is there B-A. one? B-
6: I don't actually encounter people saying like BA when they mean it, but um, I guess it would be BA. But so this bacillus product, there's a bunch of different strains out there, but when they applied, they basically applied it. 48 hours in this research report they played it 48 hours before inoculating with um botrytis and I think also sclerotinia and those can both cause bud rot and when they did that like there was practically no colonization or no colonization but that was of course a preventive application and i think also the same bacillus species if i'm remembering right is also great for powdery mildew as well but there are also other microbes that you can use in addition to
4: that. I have anecdotal evidence that, uh, at least for Botrytis, it seemed to really um, make a difference. It wasn't just bacillus subtilis. it was, um, I actually at the time was using voodoo juice from Advanced Nutrients and tarantula from Advanced Nutrients. And during the end of flower, when it rained outdoors here, outside, I would run out anytime it rained and I would spray it with those things, like probably before the rain even dried. And that seemed to uh to uh definitely keep it at bay. I only had one little spot, one very little spot on a lot of plants. And but I saturated it and I made it uh a little bit stronger than recommended because it was the plants were wet already.
3: Mm-hmm. So it seemed
4: to help on me. So like that's anecdotal, but but w- were you old, using it
6: in reaction to it or preventatively preventatively yeah yeah
4: i started I was gonna say, it, yeah
6: oh sorry i was just gonna say if no i want to hear the details because it's gonna say if it was in reaction and you had a really great e- efficacy that's even better right
4: like yeah no that wasn't the case though i knew what was coming so every like I just, yeah made it a practice that as soon as there was buds on it and it rained i would make the trip and go out there and spray them and uh it really seemed to work though. And those were um multiple bacillus. I just checked what they were. It was all multiple bacillus uh, uh species and that amlio, that one was in there too. So uh
6: yeah. <laughs> I use this example <laughs> in my live stream today on Instagram where um you know basically you're talking about the the cost and the benefits of having a preventative plan. And it's like even you know, we I took data from a, a California report. A survey, so you know there's biases associated with that. But basically, like even if you cons, even if you conservatively expect just one percent of your crop, this was commercial, but you know, like, and and looking at the average prices, this was in 2017. You know, it's just it's just no competition. There's just no reason mm-hmm. not to 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 have it. There was like a seven. There's like four times as expensive for just one percent of your crop being destroyed by like botrytis, but um, you know, way less to prevent it with a bacillus or another product.
0: One of the bacillus I hear common is BT or bacillus thuringiensis. And, um, what is that one most commonly used for? That one's most commonly used for
6: fly. Yeah. Flies, mostly fly larvae in my, there are others too. You can use there, there, I think there is a strain of BT. Yeah. There, there are strains of BT for catabillus, catabillus right? as well. Yeah. But,
0: um, BTK, right. Or,
6: well, there's kristaki, there's, there's izawi.
2: Um, those are two that are used against caterpillars.
0: So they're also like... Yeah, a bt
2: thuringiensis was the protein that was taken and, and genetically engineered into corn, soybeans, and and um, wheat. I think Bt corn, Bt soybeans that was taking that protein and, and sort of were that DNA sequence and getting those crops to express it for themselves. And that was all... to to fight off i mean primarily what i call caterpillars matthew may think of them as sort of more intricately named groups of organisms but um the the crops that were i mean the pests that were really taking down the the soybeans and the corn in particular
6: a big one was um and those are those those cry proteins a big one was the diamondback moth which is a huge problem for mustard crops and uh, i think i've brought this up before in the live stream here for Home grow but basically it uh it was um rendered not useful like within a couple of years at least perhaps earlier um, so going to say had,
0: it very quickly became ineffective right
6: at least for the diamondback moth for other ones less so
2: but yeah, yeah oh and right, the corn you resistance for
6: it.
0: nature finds a way
6: yeah. yeah, they ha- they have to bring now. Now they're being told. I think we talked about this last session. Yeah. I think
4: Dr. Coco, you might have. Yeah, like
6: now they have to have uh, swaths of plants that don't have that if they're going yeah, refugiar- to use
4: both. Yeah, Yeah. You know, I don't like the BTI mode because the, the 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 bad bugs have to eat it first before they die. Correct. They're all like a lot of them are like that.
6: Even the BT and the um.
0: That's the same with, uh, yeah, so a lot of a lot of things, right?
6: Well, so, with the amylocae fashions, it's a fungal, but yeah, like a lot of times you gotta there has to be a little bit of eating that happens, um, and if it's and caterpillars,
4: it, gets, it has to be on the plant while while they get there to eat it, and you have to keep reapplying it, right? It's not like it's persistent on the plant. Is that the same it with Bavaria, Bavaria Baciana,
0: though? Like every four yeah. days
4: no i I would say i I would say it's better if
6: they eat it but they don't have to with buveria or like isaria because they will penetrate the cuticle of the (laughs) insect and just you know (laughs) infect it that way but yeah like it is more effective when it when it's when it's being consumed but with bariata
4: you have to reapply often though too
0: well in thinking about it if you do a lot of these we're just talking about preventative and how it's good to have it there ahead of time. So yeah. if the plant is theoretically you covered, it. you've got like a, a shield all around the plant. When the uh, pest goes to bite into it, it's getting a nice, healthy dose right. of whatever that preventative is. As well as last. maybe a little You're bit right. of plant.
4: Let me ask you, Matt, is there a problem with applying different and various, like, are we going to spray the plant with every single, like, if we do BTI, or BT and then a different application, will they all be effective? Will one take over will they still be effective if applied together
6: i don't know any like severe compatibility issues like you're talking about and i think that's one reason why one or at least in in the (laughs) it's one reason when it's a good product it's a reputable product that they apply so many at the same time but some products out there try to like you know dazzle you with like look we got a a hundred different microbes but like they might not be relevant to what you're dealing with um And you are totally right with regards to like the prevention needs to be done constantly. Like in my example, when I did my live stream today, like I, I like give an example of like a product is like $150 for hundred grams. And you need to apply like half of that per 10,000 square feet, let's say. And if like August through October is your bud rot season, which it is for a lot of people. And sometimes it's longer. Then you'd have to apply like once per week, let's assume, let's, let's assume you know that that works. Then that's 12 weeks or like $900 for prevention plus labor in a commercial setting or your own labor, right? So that's like, and, and I estimated like an additional 900 so like $1,800. But like when I use the average from this survey about how much the average price goes per pound in 2017, you know, even if you lost 1% you lost like almost 10 pounds. That's like $7,900. So a lot of people will say
0: the price has fallen a lot since 2017, just to be devil's advocate. That's that's my whole point of bringing it up. (laughs) No, that the price has come down quite a bit since 2017. And uh, so some of those calculations might need to be um, recalculated for some of the not really necessary
6: to be recalculated because it's just an example.
0: I, I understand. I'm just saying for the those out there who are gonna whine in the comments that why didn't somebody say the pound price is way less now? It's like, all right, I said it for you guys. Okay. But it is important. I think the point still stands, uh, whether it's one percent, ten percent, however much of your crop are you willing to lose, and that's where your return comes from. You need to get a successful harvest, and one of the ways to get there is to uh, you know, be clean within your cultivation setting and use the right things at the right times. And so having someone like Matthew who knows when and why to apply is a uh, good for most cultivation settings. I think those that don't can get away with it for so long until they don't. And then uh,
1: the issues literally cost a lot of money and time and frustration. So it, uh, I think though to Tao's question though, it is it is important to at least, um, try some combinations of things because, you know every good defense is is to have multiple layers and there's evidence I, i i was looking through my notes i couldn't find it real quick but uh i'm just gonna fly from the top of my head here so don't hold me to it but there's evidence and i believe it was the two were trichoderma and bacillus subtilis i believe it was anyhow with those two in the found in the soil or the plants in that same soil had uh, a higher resistance to powdery mildew than having just one of the two. So together they were stronger than either one themselves by themselves in that resistance. So I think like their no own entourage effect. effect. Yeah. yeah exactly. Good
6: point. Good point, Jack. Yeah. I, I think that's, and I think, uh, you know, I, I talked about it. I like to call it like a little bio barrier or something. I think one time, a long time ago, Spartan, and perhaps I think you also, Jack, you would we were talking about a, you know, what's our methodology for uh transferring cuttings? And, you know, like, do you dip, do you spray? And like, you know, I think that microbial biopicides, just as another example from that survey, apparently from the people that they surveyed, like the vast majority of them relied heavily on microbial products. And that's kind of endearing and exciting. And and I think that's one thing that I'm enthused about in cannabis, because it's happening in other crops too. But there does seem to be a a large vent of people who, for good reason, just want to use those products and have less potential negative
3: side effects for other people's health or just, um, you know, being cautious. And I applaud that. It's always
0: great to see more microbial use and uh, people finding different ways and maybe cleaner ways if they don't have to use something harsher. Um, I'm definitely uh, always open-minded because sometimes things don't work for everybody. And so um, we've got to make sure that people have options so that they can get to harvest as cleanly as possible and uh, produce good product. But... um, Kyle Breeder did just have to jump out. So cheers to him, Pure underscore breeding. If you're looking for him, he said he had to go at eight. I meant to uh, pass it over to him, but didn't do my hostly duties in time. I uh, got lost in the conversation, but yeah, I think um, this is definitely a good conversation, but I feel like we could go into a little bit more. Sometimes we do these like, discussions at the beginning where we're talking pretty heavy cultivation and then the second half we talk a little bit about more lighthearted stuff and one of the things that uh, I had on just my general list these are actually ideas that I had for green stock talks a long time ago <laughs> I just pulled up for general ideas that we could talk about Um but one of them was like stoner tips is kind of how I labeled it but I, stoner has like a negative stereotype but just like cannabis user tips for the general person and if you have something that you feel like as a user of cannabis in your daily life that helps you. I know some people have to like myself fly under the radar and maybe you're going places where people aren't cannabis friendly and maybe you don't want to put it out there. Or uh maybe you're the type of person who's just like, I'm gonna make everybody know that I'm using cannabis and not care. But just uh is there any like life products that you use regularly like uh something as simple as I know people used to for a long time carry like little altoids tins for the joints and things like that. Um something I'm thinking of is like I know a lot of people that kind of uh, give themselves away because their breath smells. And they think that like a piece of gum or something will cover up the smell of cannabis or like a bong or a bowl. But oftentimes you chew that gum, that flavor goes away. And then you're just, you know, chewing on a piece of rubber and your breath still kind of smells like resin. And, uh, the people out here, a lot of people know, you know, we're familiar with cannabis. And, uh, if you're like myself who works with kids, it can be good to, uh, not have the smell of cannabis on you. And one piece of advice that I definitely uh, have benefit from is using a cough drop versus using. Oh, agreed.
6: agreed. Cough drops.
0: Not only does it open up your throat and make you not uh, like a cough as much so you can breathe well, but it also uh, covers up the smell so much better. And uh, I think that is definitely a simple thing. You can just get yourself a little pack of cough drops. And I think that there is some general benefits. Maybe they're terrible for you in the long, in the long run, but I don't know. Could you put that
4: Altoid tin up again? That's it was a good actually, idea, though Jack the co-op Trial. I love how
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's green, so the green screen works. That's so great. It was That's
0: perfect. Funny. I don't even actually have a green screen. It's a Zoom trying to do Zoom's thing. And oh uh, wow,
6: yeah, you're right. Of course, my yeah. green <laughs> bottle.
0: Oh, it was doing not. Oh, yeah. It was showing up earlier. The light in the room is what it is. Um, when the sun oh. was coming in through the background, it could actually pick it up. But now it's not getting enough light, so just uh enough light to see me i guess
4: i used to keep my weed in the altoy tin
0: that's a lot of people that's why i brought it up but (laughs) this is uh, (laughs) a kind of an homage to that shout out to american weed co it's a veteran owned brand Uh, very cool they launched on veterans day this year and uh, i was lucky enough to be invited to a private show with revolution and modest yahoo but they were giving these little tins out they had like seven joints in each and uh, it's actually pretty good bud and uh I like supporting the veterans, and especially if they're going to fucking, full disclosure, invite me to a concert, a private yeah, show. right. Give <laughs> me tons of free weed. They had like a free weed bus, and a funny story, huh? this dude just wandered up. He was like there on a business trip from Maryland, and uh, he thought it was a food truck. So this dude, Carlos, walks, <laughs> walks into the bus, and like the security was pretty lax, I guess. So he walks in, and there's just like boxes full of these little tins, full of seven joints, and he just like sits down and we start busting him open and handing him joints and we start smoking with him. He's like, I came in here thinking it was like a food truck and now I'm just getting handed a whole bunch of things. Like, are we? He with the concert? He's like, no, I'm here with like a business trip. So, it was uh, stoner tip number two from Jack. Would be, uh, you know, sometimes seize the opportunity. <laughs> Stoners are pretty open minded and friendly. So if you see a friendly looking circle and you're trying to fucking get down on a sesh, uh, maybe just wander up and uh, strike a friendly conversation and you know, uh, yeah. enter a fun circle.
6: Don't say don't say anything that makes you glow,
4: though.
6: No glowing comments.
4: <laughs> say on the uh, on the down low, there was a chick that I was uh, helping out with medicines, and she was like, "I want I get I sold some Agent Orange. She's like, I want that Agent Orange. I'm like, why? She's like, because it doesn't smell like weed. So she loved the fact that she could carry it and like it didn't smell like weed. It really smells just like oranges. So. Perhaps that could be an option for people that are still worried about getting uh, found out that they smoke weed. But my advice is to be, don't put yourself in a situation where you're worried about such things. And that's my kind of uh, view. But yes, that's not uh, possible for everyone. But yeah, the stank can really hold on your body too. People... Like that one time I went in, and she's like, "You smell good," and I thought she was talking about my deodorant until it clicked. Like a couple days later, (laughs) and then I go, I I went back, and she's like, "Yeah," she's like, "She thought I was mailing it was my mail lady." I told the story. She thought I was mailing stuff. I was like, "No, I was just smoking it before I came." It was just seeds in that bag. So, (laughs) but yeah, it is something that you know, if you're concerned, you should be concerned and. Yeah, I try not. I don't get paid enough to worry about anything. And I think everyone should take my stance because worrying will get you Would sick you? and mess you up and whatnot. So, yeah, but I digress. <laughs>
0: I'm with so, you. Some people get paid enough, not necessarily to worry, but just to, uh, I guess, have the maybe courtesy to uh, not offend some of the people and around. And be them.
3: concerned, yeah.
0: And certain people have. I think that the beauty is like, you can get people to know you see in fucking. I I don't want to fucking gloat too much, but if you do a really good job and you just do a great job for years and years and years in and out, and then eventually it comes out out. that you're a cannabis user, then that shifts their fucking perspective because they're like, Oh fuck. He's not the typical stoner. He's not the typical uh, thing that I had in my head. And I think that it can be interesting even if you could choose to reveal at a certain point and uh, educate um i, I ju- sometimes like i'll talk to people that um i work with that don't know that i'm interested in cannabis but i'll approach them with like evidence from a medical perspective and probably that some of them will assume because it's like oh he suggested CBD because this issue is happening and there's benefit for people that use CBD for that particular issue but I don't necessarily think that that's like a dead giveaway. Like, Oh, this guy fucking grows plants at home. (laughs) So it, uh, it all just depends on your level of, uh, comfort. And I I own my own business. So I guess it really doesn't matter that much. I just, uh, and I I say that I work with kids, but at this point they're all young adults. (laughs) It's just, uh, people with special needs. So I feel like, uh, there's a little bit of a level of sensitivity and, uh, people think, assume, I think that all cannabis use is, uh, impairment and a lot of, uh, cannabis use for people out there is for pain relief, like myself, and yeah. you might have to use it morning, noon, and night. and some people look at that as like drinking on the job. but
6: um, I don't know, but did they feel like that about other stuff, right? I mean, come on
0: all all substances, I think for brain right? many people. It's like if you're using any they're fine with uh nicotine and caffeine because it's legal. yeah, exactly and alcohol off the clock, but or yeah prescription that's the tool with the opiates and everything else. It's that whole legal thing, but it's so funny because in California it is illegal but st- people are still catching up to the fact that it like it's been legal here for a long time medically, but it just became legal recreationally, which I almost feels like re back up the stigma because just that term recreational, like it, it puts into mm-hmm. perspective that the use is like, oh, people are just getting high, and then that whole thought that I was just talking about where uh impairment, people think that oh, and use yeah, the, adult use,
6: right, right.
0: That is a better Jack, time. I want to,
6: I want to stop you for a moment and let you know that you shouldn't feel bad about gloating or anything like that because, of uh, people who possess great talent, it's hypocrisy to not uh, or to be modest. I think it's very important for good information to be spread, and I want to augment your stoner tip for a bit. Uh, with the cough drop, I absolutely have to agree. I also want to say that if you have a very strong menthol flavor or like a eucalyptus sort of, or eucalyptol sort of flavored, uh, if you can handle it, those could be kind of strong for some people. Uh, that works really well, I think, for clearing up the resin breath that you were talking about. Just wanted to get that in there.
0: Yeah, I, I use um, a menthol cough drop every day. Just as a general, it helps. It's um, an expectorant. So if you do have like uh, resin or just phlegm, helps you cough it out and get it out. So you have a clear nose and clear throat so you can breathe. If you're an active person like myself, it's very beneficial, but it also covers up the smell. And when you said eucalyptus and menthol, not only, even just for your breath, um, on your hands, like if you have essential oils, if you get Ooh, resin yeah. on your hands from the plants, the plants smell a lot like cannabis, right? So if you're working in your garden and then you head off to work, even if you didn't consume, you could smell a lot like cannabis. And um, I really like this group. Uh they have a, a soap called Humboldt Hands. It's like a really gritty soap that helps get the resin, like especially for trimming. Uh, where your hands get super sticky, it, it'll it almost like chafe your hand if you used it to just like wash your body or whatever. It'd be too much grit, but it's perfect for getting resin or like uh, motor oil or different stuff, like tar off of your hands. And so uh, that or essential oils, like I really like orange oil because it's a pleasant smelling one and putting a few drops of that on your hands to get cannabis smell off and just to have a pleasant smell that's like... Not a uh, cologne or something that could be overpowering for some people. You know what works. Lava soap, well are you for hearing
2: that? this? Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. I was
6: saying, I was just making a joke that uh lava soap, you know, if you're hearing this, yeah. if you're listening to our show, you're leaving some money on the table. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Lava soap can come out with a dedicated product for that. Um <laughs> It, no i got this big like i don't know gallon size pump container of hand sanitizer it's like quote unquote moisturizing a hand sanitizer but it's alcohol based and man like a couple squirts of that in your hands like liquefies everything and then dry them off on a like paper towel or something because like the the and all that dissolved terpenes and cannabinoids and all that needs to go someplace and if you just try to like Rinse it off underwater, it all like gloms up onto your hands again. But it it's like, I don't know, I'm pretty impressed and fairly low dollar sort of solution for this. Um, but yeah, it's just like man, it's
0: I like have it. the same thing, and my only additional suggestion would be get the one that has a little bit of aloe because as, yeah there
2: you go this one is like a moisturizing like moisturizing right i don't know exactly what's in there to moisturize it but it doesn't like totally dry out your hands because that could happen if you were just putting copious amounts of alcohol and letting it dry off of your hands
0: that happened to a lot of people during the pandemic and um, just generally people that are uh, sort of germophobic, i guess they use lots of hand sanitizer and before oh. aloe or moisturizing solutions became common i actually learned this in a first aid class um, people were so worried about the germs, but then what ended up happening is their hands dried out, they got cracked, and then they were getting like cuts and infections and more issues yep. because they were using the sanitizer. So it had a negative benefit, but uh, or not so benefit, I guess, and negative side effect would be a better way of putting that. And uh, but definitely if you have something that has aloe or some other moisturizing agent, I think that could be a great way to get resin off your hands. It also helps. With yeah. The and at this
2: point, it's more just about getting the resin off my hands. I'm not doing it frequently enough that I need to worry about sort of the, the drying out aspects that I would, if I was using it for like, you know, five times a day disinfectant or whatever. But um, still, I, I I like the sort of moisturizing side of it. And I go, I go big. Like I put a lot of that in my hand, like three or four squirts. like lather it all up and then dry that out on paper towel and it's like i mean i can have pretty encrusted hands with terpenes and resin and it all comes off pretty quick hey i got a question that i can
6: answer uh, from iceni is how i'm going to pronounce your name iceni they ask what is your opinion on the systemic acquired resistance and dose oh uh you know i'm having trouble articulating this wording and does he try to achieve or something uh, maximum plant health for maximum pest resistance is the there a way to activate it that you use and i just wanted to say that a lot of that stuff is very contextual uh plants have to just like your own body has to mediate all these different inputs and outputs and the plant immune response is going it has to be just think of it like this plants evolved to be stationary for the most part and they basically uh, can't move away from their threats so the way that they deal with that is they either outgrow the threat and that could include overshading and things like that that includes um, producing defense compounds and things like that but it also does require like some regrowth and things like that in most cases so the way that you would try to use the semically acquired resistance and other biopriming and immune response priming techniques is usually very targeted. There's some fascinating research that shows that like, if you know powdery mildew is coming or like a specific pathogen and you know which immune signals to elicit at the right level, because if you do it the wrong level, that can have other negative effects. Then you can get resistances that are far and away superior to many other even products that you would apply in treatment, simply because you prime the right thing against a threat that isn't there yet, but it's ready. And that lasts only for a little period of time. Depending on what it is, it could be a couple of hours, maybe even 24 hours, 48 hours, some effects last and linger. So yeah, that's my response to that. It's very complicated,
3: but I'm very excited to see more information about it. This is another one,
0: uh, stoner tip, cannabis grower tip, I guess, uh, or even just general user. And it might sound obvious, and you might just do it anyway, because I've done it to myself too many times. Don't touch your eyes after you're dealing with plants, because it fucking burns. Ooh, yeah really 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 badly and i've done it to myself way too many times i'm one of those people i rub my eyes because i have cats the cat's hair gets like on my face and then i'm like wiping the hair out of my face and then that little bit of resin on your fingers getting into your eye can really burn so uh avoid that the best you can and i guess as a follow-up with that uh there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of different opinions on different brands of eye drops but i definitely would recommend opcon a it's by like bausch and loam uh they make great eye drops in my opinion. to get rid of the red eye if you're one of those people who still my eyes actually don't really often get red anymore from cannabis use but if you have that issue or even if your eyes are just irritated like i was uh teaching a swim lesson the other day and um the hot tub that we were doing part of it in was like they must have fucking put bleach in there or something like it was the chlorine levels were so high oh, our geez. swimsuits faded in, within the one hour process so i, I like looked that oh. up and like it has to be a really high level but because I was you teaching, like, for you. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it can't it's can't really be not. good. Well, and on top of that, I was doing, like, you know, uh, learn to swim and, like, some life-saving skills. So, like, part of it is, like, teaching them to, like, go retrieve something from the bottom of the pool with, like, your eyes open without goggles because sometimes you might get knocked into the pool. without. You. So, I'm, like, demonstrating it. And the very young individual I was working with was, like, thankfully not participating in that part. But uh, when I left that lesson, I, like, drive, driving home, my eyes were just tearing and i tried my wife really likes this uh, brand roto not to throw them under the bus because they've worked really well for me in the past <laughs> uh but this time when I, I put them in it just like made things worse like my eyes were like already burning and i like put them in and it just like made things like burn way way worse so that was a unfortunate experience and i've seen a lot of people that haven't tried roto before when they get given that they think that like there's like like they've been drugged they're like it's like poison it's so intense even when you're just like i don't know maybe it's the uh cannabis use coupled with it but they're very intense eye drop like somebody's equated it to like putting a mint in your eye and oh uh, my gosh yeah it's <laughs> it's uh your eyes get refreshing. super white super super white with the rotos but they uh they burn in my opinion so that's a if you want a gentler eye drop out there if you're one of those people that's like i need rotos to get my eyes uh white i think that the opcon is a decent solution they're not like super expensive or anything i'm definitely not sponsored you can fucking get them at any drugstore
1: locally uh, for a couple bucks but yeah they can uh, definitely it's another think- pro tip what you brought up jack though it's another tip like you're saying for people wanting to get into working in the commercial space wear your fucking glasses even on harvest day when they turn the lights down
6: and other ppe
1: because Agreed. yeah because just the just that many buds shaking down on you you'll literally get trikes in your eyes just from the fucking air and you'll believe me you will want to wear those glasses so uh, yeah get you a, a really good pair of glasses and wear them wear them
6: you know when i was younger i don't think i remember ever having a sensitivity to like uh cooking onions but as i've grown older i have developed somewhat of a sensitivity to them and i don't know like that's another point maybe to make is that like as you interact with cannabis more and other plants you can develop sensitization sometimes or there's other factors that are at play
0: i've seen many Uh, many many commercial growers get allergic at a certain point yeah
6: yeah right and and recently we had that very unfortunate incident
0: yeah that's i think still i'm curious to see if the further investigations but uh unfortunate especially the incredibly low payout to the family which is sad but uh Unfortunately, but it happens in every industry. Um, Like when I brought up Amazon a few weeks ago, I know Spartan said that they like uh, killed their employees and uh, or worked them to death, essentially. And there's
6: a lot of injury reports. Yeah.
0: Well, and I'll I'll say this about anything that gets large enough. Like um, my dad used to host a volleyball tournament and it eventually got very, very large. And um, when they were doing it, like he was meeting with people from the city and they're like, one of the. Guys said, well, when there's this many people expected, like how many deaths are you expecting? Because when there's just this many people at any event, there's potentially going to be a death. My dad was like kind of naively thinking that it's always just going to be zero, as big as it got. And eventually one year, a ref had a seizure or a stroke in the ref stand at a volleyball event. And they're like up like eight feet in there and like fell down and passed away. And fucking it can happen on the job. So sometimes and on paper, that looks terrible. It's like, oh, your employee died at the job working. And it can be, in and, and many other cases, maybe it was much worse. But uh, yeah, and I think that we should always advocate for worker safety and you know workers' rights and things like that. So I'm not trying to say that Amazon or any other company that's done wrong should uh, get away with it. But I do also see that, um, unfortunately, sometimes people pass while they're working for just random, unfortunate reasons. And um, when you have giant, I mean, I don't even know how many employees they have, but once you get over a hundred or a thousand or whatever um, it can get to that point. So anyway. Amazon has a really terrible reputation in this department.
6: This is very true. This is very true, but yeah, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a good point, Jack, like at a certain level, certain critical mass, like it's like the, the I'm, Jack's I'm, point
2: here. Um, oh, Sorry, Matthew. But,
6: oh, no, I'm just going to say, and maybe you can help me. Um, yeah. I forget what they call it. The equation where, um, you know, like the, you get enough people in a room and you can find two people, same birthday.
0: It's over 23 people. There's a 50% chance.
6: Yes. Yes. So it's like that, but with death, you <laughs> know, I'm yeah. trying to be glib about such a sad subject. Well,
2: what but- I was going to say is there's one sport that like way more people die playing one sport than any other sport in the United States. And it's golf. And it's just because there's like a lot of old people, a bunch of old people. Golf. That's
6: it. I knew that you were. Yeah, say, yeah I mean, it's not point. because
2: golf is like an inherently dangerous or like deadly sport, right? Like, what I, Matthew like always way says, way more people die playing golf than die like ice climbing and like <laughs> stuff like that. Because, yeah, so that's kind of to Jack's point.
0: And Matthew also, also often says like the best swimmers most often drown, and right. you can only really drown if you're swimming. So I guess it makes sense a, a certain percentage of them eventually are going to drown. But the reason I guess that the thing that I do appreciate that they do is they send some of their employees to college and they pay for health insurance and healthcare and things like that. And they can help families out that otherwise might not have that opportunity. It doesn't make them, again, free of any of the other wrongdoing they're doing. But the main thing is from, to get it back to the cheap home grow perspective, there's a lot of growers out there in red states who don't have a grow store or are paranoid and won't go to one, but you can get discreet brown Amazon packages shipped to your door with a tent, with a grow light, with pots, with everything that you need. And it it gives people, and it's not just Amazon, I guess you can do that with any website, but a lot of people already have it and have access to it. And I think because it's so ubiquitous, it offers a little bit higher level of discreteness. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people would say, oh, well, they can track you. They've got all your fucking shit. How many uh, incidences of people getting their
1: gross busted based on Amazon are there out there? If you found one. Go to that manufacturer's website, order it from them and fuck Amazon. That's all I'm saying. As long okay. as they're yeah, willing to do like a
0: discrete packaging or whatever, a brown box. Like my light company did that. They packaged the box within a box so that it doesn't say grow light when it shows up at your house. Um and even Amazon sometimes will do that if you don't uh, select the proper packaging thing. But um I, I'm just happy that in twenty twenty three or whenever we, you know, started the show or however long. It's been possible to do it. It's you can get every literally everything you need other than seeds. And even in certain countries you can buy cannabis seeds on Amazon. Um, you can buy hemp seed here on Amazon in the US, but I think in the UK you can buy like fucking THC seeds and I don't know if it's the UK or somewhere else, but I saw it um on a non US Amazon thing. So and it, it's gonna happen eventually, right? They're gonna be eventually just shipping ounces to people's store
1: when it goes federally legal, I'd imagine. Yeah. Cause I don't know. But a lot of of questions the the United States Postal Service was shipping ounces forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Unbeknownst to them, the world's
0: largest and most punctual uh, mover of packs.
6: You know, there was a point that was made earlier, and we don't have to make it a really big thing, but I was curious to get people's impressions about this. This would actually probably be a better topic for another session totality, but we talked about like the quote unquote like adult market or the recreational market and how that can kind of bring up a bad stigma and like another thing that's sort of a complication and I don't understand it totally. So I am, I am asking for some help here interpretation, but, um, you know, we like edibles and we like foods that we can, um, put the cannabis material into in some way, shape or form THC and other stuff. Medicine, if If people want to res- to schedule cannabis to be partic- just specifically med- medicinal from a legal perspective, you're not going to be able to do that, right? Because um, you know, you can't go to the Rite aid and get some ibuprofen gummies. I mean, I guess you could, right? But you have you to can get, get specific-
0: vitamin C gummies, you can get vitamin E well, That's D not gummies. really the same yeah. thing. thing.ruable no. Tylenol i mean a lot of the stuff is like
2: yeah but that's tylenol flavored why can't it be regulated more like food though like that's what i'm trying to say it wouldn't be right like broccoli would... would be the the comparison right like you can put broccoli in the casserole or you could try to smoke it or you could do
1: whatever you wanted to <laughs> i think the best, I think the best <laughs> but you can't use be well because it's scheduled
6: you can't be using like you can't like get you can't like go and get like vitakin and a brownie Okay.
2: I mean, physically, I don't think it would work. uh, Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, I think we should deschedule cannabis.
6: That's my That's my point too. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think that's a, that's a, that's a point that I think a lot of people don't realize that the thing that they might be advocating for is actually not what they actually want because they don't actually know what the implications are. I guess
0: well, it would immediately point. put it in only pharmaceutical hands by most. Of, it? Most people's no, thoughts and I think, accounts. No,
1: it could be in the herbal. It could be in the herbal sector. It's the, it's a fucking herbal plant. It's been around forever. It's, Homeopathic. Uh, that's yeah. That's, the, that's the medicinal. Dude. That's the medicinal path you go for. You go through the herbal where they don't have any oversight. Well, dude, tylenol dude, comes dude, from he's a tree.
4: The FDA is trying to close down all holistic uh, offerings and stuff. Did you guys right. catch that? Yeah, a lot of, yeah. of the stuff is holistic, right? So crazy. a lot of the stuff yeah.
0: comes from too. holistics, but then they make it into a pharmaceutical. So like Tylenol comes from some tree bark, right? So there's a tree bark, like a root that you can use, or a tree bark that can make a willow. pain reliever, willow. Think, yeah, but then also there's the pharmaceutical synthesized version that is ubiquitous and all over the world, and a bunch of people take it. And I guess, funny enough, like in the US, we're probably one of the only places where you can buy so much of it at one time. Like a lot of, like in Europe, you can only buy like 10 or 15, like ibuprofen at a time or something, but you can buy like it
6: hundreds of cheese. Really? You. Wow.
1: That's another thing that kills that is so funny to me is aspirin. It kills people you know every single year but you can go buy that on the shelf and then they fuck with cannabis
6: and for a long time it was recommended that people take or at least over a certain age or with certain conditions to take yeah. aspirin all the time and for now, heart attack
0: risk yeah. prevention
4: yeah dude, I they I don't still might anything recommend anything that in some that, places don't believe anything that western doctors tell you they're trying to keep you sick i'm just saying that's, That's
0: my opinion probably you like to Eat a cookie a day. Probably
2: a little elephant. overly yeah. pessimistic. <laughs> I, I know some of them personally, and I, I can guarantee you that they don't personally want to keep people sick. And they're doing. Well, the, they don't know. i They this, don't
4: know we, that they were taught wrong, guys. Doc. California people, doctors are pro cannabis. <laughs> Tao, how much? How much?
6: Uh, how much? Uh, how much? Tiger claw? Do you think will get rid of my cold? <laughs> how many elephant bones? You need rhinoceros that
4: <laughs> yeah, edible berries and uh, chameleon eye of newt will definitely clear that up <laughs> for you. But um, other berries, <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, I think a lot of people would be better off not even going to the doctors. In my opinion. A lot of Anything doctors are now that embracing
0: want. cannabis. Tao, that's the sure. thing. They're yeah. they're researching well, it. They're using it for pain relief as a less uh, dangerous option as an easier option that's not as addictive as some of the opiates and it's not going to cause overdose deaths. So it's something that like right. every doctor I've it's been to, not better. even the cannabis specific doctors, just regular general doctors. I got in a car accident. I had my back checked out and I was saying that I didn't want pain relief and that I was using cannabis. And they're like, that's great. We're all for that. And we're not going to like change your treatment plan because we look at we just because we can't directly prescribe right. it to you, but they actually do want to know like. I think Matthew's mentioned many times in the past, and I think uh, Noah may even take the drug that warfarin directly is impacted by CBD. So there mm-hmm. are cross considerations.
6: Are, there was a recent research report that came out. I think that I was, I just downloaded. I didn't, I didn't uh, read it yet, but I think they were looking at uh, CBD particularly and how after a certain amount of dose, let me see if I can find it. There's a lot
0: of surgeries it. that they say to not use cannabis before
1: because it impacts the blood and like clotting and things like that so yeah um, it's a blood thinner Like can't thc in in itself and i've experienced that for sure (laughs) you got i gotta stop smoking for like four or five days before anything like that because um i don't know i'm just too saturated or something because i just had a not just but in the past i've had a lump cut out of my head i had the 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 pore gets closed off and but it keeps creating the oil for your hair follicle but there's oh. it's closed off so you get a lump in your head so they went and cut it out well I bled like a stuck pig for a long time it's hard for them to get it out to stop bleeding because I smoked up until like I gave it one day and then I just didn't smoke that day. Well that's not the move that's not the move you gotta give it at least a couple days before surgery. I will say if you're
0: recovering and you're trying to get clotting to happen Um, something I learned recently in a kind of like trauma first aid was that I think you have to be above 95 degrees at the point of the injury for the body to create clot. And I know that doesn't seem like super uh, you know, our bodies are generally much warmer than that, but on your exterior, like if you took a laser and took the temperature of that spot uh, it's good to stay warm. So like a lot of times they'll give people those little emergency blankets and stuff while they're giving them first aid to keep their body temperature up. So if you're cold, it's going to really also prevent your ability to create clots and heal. So something to consider as far as uh, something on top of you know reducing or uh, cutting back on the use. But it is you know very real. You've got the personal experience to speak from, and I think a lot of people out there now, um, if they have to go through surgeries or any other medical things like that, realizing that there are interactions and implications. It's not just like a it doesn't affect you. Like it, it definitely has some effects on our body. Uh, I I think mostly positive, but sometimes there are side effects that are unintended and could be negative consequences if you're not aware of uh, how to go about, you know, dealing with that. So I'm glad that you cut through that. And it sounds like you've uh, at least learned to try and allow that saturation to go down. I think yourself and I, like taking RSO, you get a pretty good dosage that sticks with you for a little while. Yeah. So I was uh, surprised, like, one of my buddies, he in high school, uses uh, a very similar amount to myself. But like when he got drug tested at a rehab facility, like they got sent to because he was like underage or whatever using, um, they like not only did they they test that you uh, have like a positive or negative, but like the amount of particular down, yep, in your body, so they could see that you like stopped using, and kind of track the amount of metabolite but they're like you're like eight times higher than everybody else like that we ever came across that's so like it is crazy like i think some people it could just be a natural like maybe their body stores stores more metabolite but also just the amount of use and, and type of use like yeah it's concentrate versus just flour or edibles and things like that um it's fascinating my how buddy, our body takes it in
4: my buddy was just smoking flour mostly mine though but but he had, like you're saying, he had to go into, a, he had an issue, and he went in, and uh, they were testing him, he had to stop, and he said, it. They, they were, like, amazed how long it was in his body. They were, like, he must have been using a lot, because it was, like, two months they were still detecting it, but if it wasn't for, uh, like, um, he didn't get in trouble with the law or anything, but I know people that have gotten in trouble with the law as well and had to stop, and they just look, as long as it's going down, they know they're not using it anymore, so... Even if it's in your bloodstream, uh, they were all right because it was going down and they knew that, like, yeah, they, would, they had stopped using it. So, but that brings up a whole other thing. If you get a D, like, if they're going to start tra- trying to charge people with uh, driving while intoxicated under cannabis, like, how, I don't see how they could even feasibly do that if it's in your bloodstream. They stream.
0: need to give you a sobriety <laughs> test, and even then, those are questionable. But... Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, I, agree I with as that as somebody
0: who's been pulled over with cannabis at, at 16 and i had to get fucking drug tested after this um i didn't get an ovi or dwi or whatever it was and um i personally felt like it was because he knew that i would have passed a sobriety test like my eyes were white um i was speaking to him clearly the only thing was that there was smell in the vehicle and so they went through and found some shit um i didn't <laughs> Unfortunately for myself, I didn't give him the right to search for my parents at the time. We're like, "Uh, fuck you. We're not going to go through fighting this legal battle. You're going to learn your lesson, blah, blah, blah. But um, I had a reason, I guess, for telling the story. We were talking about something earlier. Um, Oh, yeah. After I got busted, I went and, uh, you know, they had to, as part of it, I had got like a year of probation with random drug testing. And the first part of that was like, I went to like a drug rehab clinic. And at the time it was like summer and... or. I just remember I was at open gym for basketball and fucking running in the heat in the middle of the summer and sweating a fucking shit ton. And they didn't drug test me until two weeks after I got busted. And at the time I was like in high school, I was a 16 year old kid. I couldn't smoke as much as I do now. Uh, it's just like whatever bags I could score. My brother was pushing or whatever, but uh, definitely don't smoke as much. I was at school, you know, you're 16. Um, but two weeks later I passed my fucking drug tests, even though like I was a, still at that point I was a, A daily user up until when i got busted and i stopped and like all that exercise and i think being i've heard that it stores itself in your body fat um i think being low body fat percentage and then also sweating it out like exercising i've heard people take like uh niacin like a overdose on niacin and it feels like they get sunburnt, and uh, that's a way to pass there's also these drinks that you can drink um that can help you pass drug tests but i personally think that like the monkey flask they have like an a synthetic urine that shows all the human metabolites or whatever you can just like wear it around on your body on your waist or whatever before the the day of the drug test and you walk in and you just pour it in if unless they're one of them where they're like watching you and if they are watching you I guess uh the advice that I've heard from somebody is not to get there's like a fake uh male part <laughs> that you can have for the test that you could like pop out of your underwear but I guess it looks more like a you Know a fake part than an actual real human part, so obviously, a lot of people get busted using that. So, I guess those drinks, uh, the cleanse drinks. I've actually in high school I had a couple buddies who used them and worked, uh, a couple of them used like double the amount or whatever. But, uh, I've heard that it could even be regional. Like, there was a dude, like, never get busted, he was a former cop, and then he set up like a fake grow house to show that cops will fucking <laughs> basically uh contrive uh, a bunch of things to make raids and he ra- mm. basically had them raid this house that had like grow lights but there was no plants in there at all <laughs> and he videotaped the whole thing and like showed that like they he went through all their documents and and fought it and basically showed that this city in particular was corrupt and how they were going about their raids but this guy uh he also like has a video on like how to uh pass drug tests and one of the tips he gave was using those drinks and that I guess like if you're in Ohio or Michigan or whatever it's gonna be different than if you're in like California or somewhere else so your local like head shop or wherever they care these things and probably getting on medical advice and getting uh, into the realms where you might, I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> take take this go. all with a grain of salt. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe I've heard in California, actually, they can't even test you for off the job cannabis use. So. That's a
6: recent, I believe that has recently been the case, although I don't know if there's like loopholes or whatever. I don't know the limits.
0: Yeah. I think the thing that they would probably do is the on the job, uh, to prove if you're using it. I think there's like an oral swab. Um when I was in college, one of my coworkers um got busted and they did the little like cheek swab, and I think it only lasts like maybe hours or like a day or two. And um they admitted to using, but uh it's interesting all the different types of tests that there are out there. There's like hair follicle and stuff like that. And uh never admit to wrongdoing ever. Always uh, That's consult- the American a American consultant way. attorney.
4: Yes.
6: <laughs> <laughs> i'm right and what are you gonna do
1: about it <laughs> i take the this is well yeah when it comes to criminal don't do this but i like for like for job stuff i like to just go in there and taking their piss test and failing on purpose be like what was my score man what was my
4: score <laughs> i've actually used I like- um a couple things it, which works me and then I recommended it to a friend of mine who was going for um, to to attempt to get I don't know if it was health insurance or life insurance, but it did not work for them, which was a fuck story. Excuse my French. So yeah, perhaps it's individual too if it works for them or not. I don't know, but I'm I'm I can almost guess that perhaps some of these uh, job tests are are just. Uh, for show, and they really don't do the actual work because, like, I would think if I'm hiring people and they know that they're using that, they, they, well, I guess if I get Spartan, are they gonna come in dirty and actually try to get through? And I guess that could be a thing, but I would be like, why am I gonna pay even if it was 50 bucks for a test each person? Bro, I'd be, why even bother, you know? Bro,
1: that's <laughs> why I'm saying that's why it's funny. Let me tell yeah. you, yeah, let me tell you a little story. I used to be the union steward and I got voted to, to vote to negotiate the contracts okay every fucking year which was oh my god but oh my. anyhow and you really get to see what a company's about then yeah but I literally had the CEO of the company sit there and tell me he's like I had a stack this tall on my desk of applications and he said you know only four of them four of them passed the drug screen <laughs> so they're paying <laughs> for every one of those
4: whoa, whoa <laughs> I did not expect that <laughs> for this, for this health insurance, it was probably perhaps a blood test. It could have been a different test that was much. It, was a, it was a hair ah, test. It's yeah, hair. Ah, yeah. Okay. that'll Yeah. So it. yeah. Yep. So,
0: at the end of yeah, the day, guess... private businesses can uh, test you for anything. Like I'm from Cleveland. Cleveland Clinic doesn't hire cigarette smokers or any nicotine user.
1: They drug test for nicotine. So, what? Interesting. Yeah, they do at the hospital here too.
4: Oh my! I've never heard that before. Wow, is that not a violation of some constitutional something? I guess not. So, meanwhile, because... some people are
6: taking up smoking to get the brakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a very...
6: The United States of America is really just fifty countries put together, <laughs> and a couple of other territories.
0: A lot That's of other not territories, empire
6: or anything though. Yeah, uh, uh,
4: hey.
0: <laughs> we no. are the
4: United States of America. I do I did well, find that, that part, research the,
0: report. The beauty oh. is that we are divided. I mean that we have uh each state has its individual rights ideally. It doesn't always work out like that, but
4: that's right. Like if you're not happy cash, with New York, you can hightail it down to Florida. It's true. It's true. I did find but that research
6: could, report if you're curious to to talk about that. Although we are getting to the end of the show.
0: Now is actually the time where I would typically pass it to Spartan Grown and say uh spartan's gotta get going on over to the michigan bros grow show in a little bit so uh, i'll pass it to him to give
1: his final thoughts and shout out for the week nice thanks jack thanks panel it was awesome hanging with you guys like every week and um you know shout out to chat they you know make the show they always make the show we don't even have to come in prepared it doesn't matter the they'll shoot topics at us or hell just us hanging out we'll shoot topics at ourselves so I love that. And it's always an informative show. It's not like we, I don't feel like we get into the weeds too much. I think it's just the right amount of weeds. <laughs>
6: Maybe a little extra, but you're into that.
1: That's right. I'm kind of into that. You want of. that high score. <laughs> high score, man, especially when it comes to weed. So I, I don't just uh, everybody will uh, look forward to talking to you next week. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the Michigan Grow Show here coming up in 15 minutes. Uh, Till then. Have a great day. Keep growing. I love Spartan. For his love, man. Always great having you.
4: Peace out, Spartan.
0: That's Spartan Grown on Instagram. That's really the one place you can find them social media-wise. Don't follow uh, follow For The Pretenders on the other social medias. And also uh, SpartanGrown at gmail.com. If you want to email him, if you're not on social media. But uh, Matthew, if you wanted to bring up that research report, you should be able to share the screen. I think it'd be a good, nice little – we could just – touch on it for the last 15 minutes before we close the show up.
6: Yeah, I feel like, uh,
3: you know, that's a, a very good idea. So let's do. Okay, so this was the paper. This is non uh, nonlinear disposition and
6: metabolic interactions of cannabidiol or CBD through the CYP3A inhibition. Or, sorry, yeah, through CYP3A inhibition in vivo in rats. And so, what they found was that. Now, I don't actually know what nonlinear disposition is. Do you, Dr. Coco? Can you help us out here?
2: Um, Not immediately, but
6: give me a no, second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem. I not mean, I know, I know what
2: both of the words mean, but. I don't know exactly what they're what they mean together in this context. But.
6: Me neither. Um, but I imagine that they're talking about a like large uptick in um, an interaction. So in the conclusion, they say that a nonlinear disposition and a CYP mediated drug or and CYP mediated drug interaction. So CYP is this enzyme in um in our bodies that breaks down or interacts with various compounds, in this case, drugs. Uh, and of CBD at doses exceeding 10 milligrams per kilogram were demonstrated for the first time in vivo in rats. So I guess this was very important because it hasn't been in vivo in the past. So given the results, they proposed that caution for dose-dependent drug interactions should be considered for CBD. We kind of
3: already knew that. I think there's a yeah. graph that's sort of descriptive of this that I was seeing. Yeah, so we have here. Time curves over the hours. Is it raining where you are, Jack?
0: Yeah, is that is it coming through on the mic, or were you just?
3: No,
6: it, I can hear it through my own headphones, and I was curious how far
3: up the rain. Too. Yeah,
0: we got hit pretty hard last night. Today, we I sure did. Up. But it seems like it's coming back again. Funny enough, I think uh, the weather system is called a Pineapple Express.
3: I think it's an uh, what is it atmospheric river.
6: Atmospheric it river,
0: yeah. yeah. But the initial, I think it's like a storm from Hawaii. And that's why it's called the Pineapple Express. But
6: Oh, I love it. That's perfect. Yeah, I thought this had cooler diagrams. I must be thinking of another paper. Anywho, so yeah, if if you were curious to know more, you can check out this research report.
0: Another thing that uh, we talked about earlier, I guess IPM related, um, Tao even kind of gave an example. You said like the voodoo juice you looked up had a bunch of different um, bacillus species. So you kind of answered your own question there with that product at least that they can be effective together. And maybe it it could be that one of them is just dominating. Like one is taking over and, and doing the role. But maybe they do work as an entourage effect together in synergy with one another. I mean, they're all being named Bacillus. I think that generally in science means, and Matthew could correct me if I'm wrong on this, that they share some sort of um, traits.
6: Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Cook is totally right. Yeah, let's so, I mean, use the really first curious.
2: name in binomial nomenclature that those latin names would be the genus and then the species. So like we're homo sapiens for the genus homo and the, the the species homo sapiens and bacillus thuringiensis all of the the bacillus would belong to yeah the same sort of fairly tight family of of different species.
6: Yeah, the only thing with the microbes, especially bacteria, is that, like, you get a bunch of different permutations and uh,
2: different strains of the same species and also
6: right. so
2: species complexes. And then just varieties of the subspecies and all of that. So that that's it, a third name sometimes that they'll e- use, right? Like Bacillus thuringiensis adewalati or whatever, because it's some specific um you know, subspecies that's distinct and recognizable from other subspecies, but it is not so distinct that it rises to the level of a species. But all of those distinctions are still pretty arbitrary because we're talking about continuous gradations of change. And, you know, at various points, we'll sort of arbitrarily declare that there's been enough change that this warrants sort of a subspecies designation or that this warrants a a species level designation. But there is some sort of defining characteristics by having sort of groups with more things in common with each other than they have with individuals sort of outside of that group. And we can do kind of cladistics like that to organize things, but it still is always fairly arbitrary in terms of how much difference these names really sort of mean. It's yeah, because...
6: at the at the microbial molecular level, it it like I love how you put that. It, sort of this gradient occurs, and as you were saying, Jack,
0: I just think it's a little bit funny. I googled bacillus meaning, and I scroll down origin Latin, uh, and bacillus means to stick. So
6: yeah, like a rod.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's like the the commonality to stick. Oh, oh, oh! It's not like stick like a sticky. It's stick like a, a rod. I think they
6: mean stick like a rod, right? Or am I getting sure. my am I getting my words mixed up? <laughs> I might be thinking I, of a different.
0: I um, haven't but... found a deeper definition, but I just uh... and the other like more um, general definition is a rod-shaped bacterium. And then yeah, uh, yeah, it also says disease-causing bacterium is like the more modern definition.
6: There's all kinds of bacillus. I'm not sure where that definition comes from exactly. But just
0: Google, but that pulled Google. from uh, Oxford languages.
6: Well, actually, that's that's one of the reasons why I decided that in my presentation for budworms, um, we're talking about some of the microbial pesticides. I let it be known that, um, you know, the, and I'm not going to, I don't know if this will get us canceled on YouTube, but uh, some... There's a very closely related species that's important for a particular thing that people sometimes use to make a particular powder that uh, you shouldn't mail to people because it's very poisonous. But anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Lord. So that that there's a it's a bacillus um, species that produces that, and you know it's very closely related to bacillus thuringiensis and all these other bacilli. So I watched
0: a documentary about that and. Look into it a little bit more deeply because that was some shit, that whole male situation.
4: Yeah, uh, that's all I'll say.
0: <laughs> there was a, I mean, some high level lab people obviously implicated and, and and not something that your typical average Joe on the street is uh, going to get into. I'll say that unless they've got a very high, high degree of, uh, I don't know if it's chemistry. Yeah, like, I, I would say it's
6: like, biochemistry probably. Yeah,
0: probably covers it enough. And it's, it's very uh, specific too. Like it, to that level, they can trace the strain. They knew the lab it came from, who it came from, who did it, essentially all the way back. It, it's all traceable. That that stuff is uh it's like a
4: fingerprint. And that's what's fascinating to me about that whole thing. You can get it from your goat skin bongo drums, can't you?
0: I think you can maybe get it, like many things in nature, like uh you can get DMT from grass, like there it's just like if you have the Chemistry knowledge that you can synthesize basically like fucking anything from anything, uh, not not exactly, but like (laughs) it's it's amazing what they say. You're not gonna pull blood from a rock or blood from a. Yeah, because watching
6: too much full metal alchemist, I understand. Yeah, I understand.
3: No, there's some dude. The shit that they're doing with
0: microbes (laughs) right now, how they're making THC and yeast, like it. We're actually at like some weird sci-fi levels. If like they can literally just fucking put shit in a van and make.
4: The GMO that yeast. So, or yeah, like they, they, they have, have the ability to do it they do yeah wait, till, yeah
6: wait till we get uh wait till we get um uh geez what are they called star in star trek, trek the replicators, replicators. uh man i have lost all like of my star trek cred now we, but, uh, yeah <laughs> just break <apart laughs> all the atoms and put them together you know once we're at that level it's like <laughs> a lot of people are gonna get out of a job let's put it that way
2: It'll be
0: fascinating. Yeah, I think it'll solve a resource different problem.
2: Different way to gain access to that, other than having a job at that point. Then that would argue. That's so.
0: for sure. Yeah. No, We're just no going to be credits, sitting right? around waiting for the robots to uh, take care of us or kill us, whatever uh, comes first. Maybe both. That's why uh, the Tesla bot is supposed to be like it's like five seven and it can only walk like five miles an hour and it's like easily push overable. Good. <laughs> he he doesn't want the uh, <laughs> thing to, like be able to overpower even like a small human. So I'm on so.
4: Team Robot. I know the future oh man on team robot <laughs> oh i did
0: not expect
6: that from you no uh, yeah especially well tao's gonna
4: live forever so
0: i mean he's got to make sure yeah, he's gotta got his he's got to make sure too. he's got
6: his connections right yeah. tends
0: to all of his plants when he's got an unlimited plant count and all those acres you know it's gonna be a lot of work he's gonna be flying drones over the... with a parabug bug or whatever dropping off his a- mj
6: bug the mj robot just just upload your consciousness Make a couple I, of save I, I, files though. Oh the, yeah, I'll be
4: the, the token human in the robot clan.
2: Have we just wandered entirely off the, over the deep end at this point? Welcome to iRobot yeah.
0: 3.0. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give our final thoughts and shout outs. I'll pass it first this week to Matthew Gates. Mm, my final thought is that,
6: like always, it was a great session. And I'm glad that we got to talk about all these heady topics. Uh, particularly the latter half. I thought that we delved in some interesting things about the realities of the legal structure and you know, what is medicinal and how we want to classify all of that stuff. So if you're interested in help with pests, I can help you with that. Check me out at zenthanol.com for provincial inquiries. You can also check my YouTube channel where I'm going to be uploading a bunch of live streams every week from my Instagram account. I do the live stream, I answer questions, I talk about a topic that you vote for on my YouTube channel in the community tab at Xenthanol. And then I will present it and then make an edit and then I will have a streamlined video out of that edit the next week later. And so I just made the voting topics for my very next session, that'll be session three. And it'll be on Sundays at 1 p.m. PST on my Instagram at SyncAngel. Angel. Check it out if you're interested.
0: Always a pleasure to have you. And uh, just as a reminder for the people, we are looking for cool cannabis related science. It could just be agriculture or uh, horticulture related science, new cutting edge stuff that you've seen that you think might be interesting, uh, like white paper-esque things for us to review. It could even be like a big claim that's being made that you feel like maybe the paper uh, is making claims larger than they should be justifying, things like that. Uh, make sure to DM those to me at Jack Greenstock on Instagram to have a chance for us to uh, review them and potentially cover them on next week's show. But with that said, I want to pass it next to Dr. MJ Coco.
2: Hey guys, I'm glad I was back this week, and I will be back again next week. And I am Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Um, we've started the New Year's Grow Challenge, but I like left town on the third, so I haven't even started my New Year's Grow Challenge. But I'm about to drop seeds for that and try to get caught up. So you can still drop seeds and get caught up too if you want to join us. Um, and let's see, yeah, check out my YouTube channel and my Instagram. Both are Dr. MJ Coco. I will be having some new YouTube content
0: shortly. And grower love everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. It was great to have you back and I look forward to seeing you again next week. And I want to thank the American one this week. He showed up very punctually on time, which uh, (laughs) it's always great to have you for the full two hours. I feel like I got more than I bargained for. It's always amazing having you. And uh, last and certainly not least of all of the panelists this evening, the American
1: one.
4: Uh, Thanks, Jack and Matthew and Dr. MJ. Always good to hang out and chat it up with you guys peace to everyone in chat always good seeing all the regulars and some new faces and new names uh i'm the american one uh on youtube and the american one underscore with underscore Akeens on the ig if you want to hit me up and ask me questions or talk about anything and uh yeah it was a great show tonight and we'll catch you next week and i'll probably see a bunch of you in chats around the place over the week so have a great one everyone we'll catch you later
0: Always a pleasure having you, the American one, and definitely make sure to check out AmyAces.com if you're looking for some of that Amy Aces, it's some fire. I've grown it myself. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a solid yielder. It grew pretty vigorously. I have really no complaints at all. Uh, Tao is very generous. I don't know if, if uh, they're as generous over at Daga. Garden as uh, Tao was when he sent them to me directly, but uh, I feel like with, with being regular seeds, it's nice to get a pretty large pack so you can search through a little bit, find yourself some nice females. And, uh, I'm very appreciative for, uh, Tao for that.
4: Yeah. They're all 20, 20 beans in each one, at least over there at Daga. So just so everyone knows,
0: that's a much, much, uh, nicer pack to hunt through than a 10 pack. I've in my F3s started to send out uh, like 15 to 20 packs, usually like 20, if it, it'll fit, <laughs> I it fit as many as I can in a little vial, but right.
4: uh, yeah,
0: it's great to Regulars
4: share. And, uh, I also think the way I looked at it is if I wanted to fill up a four by four, sometimes I would want nine females in there. So if you want to really go at it and get the whole full tent, you could possibly do that with 20 packs. So yeah, that was my thinking.
0: And it's always nice if uh, they grow 10 out and just want to keep 10 for later, or grow five, keep, you know, 15 or whatever. If they feel like they find something they like, uh, it's uh, really cool to be able to share with the people and uh, see them growing the stuff out. It's amazing. Sometimes when you send 20 and they send, they grow all 20 and you're like, Oh my God, that's uh, ambitious. So I appreciate all those growers out there that have grown the Velvet Punch and the Amy Aces and many of the other creations of the panelists. I know the next seeds, I'm like uh, Dr. MJ here. I've been delaying my New Year's grow pop. I've been telling myself I was going to do it right when I flipped a flower, but then it would leave me with probably a little bit too large of plants in my veg space. So I'm actually happy I delayed this time and uh, it lined up with being a little busy in life and putting all my focus in on the uh, main crop. But with that said, I'm at Jack Greenstalk. As you can see on the screen here, that's my logo. You'll find me on Instagram there. My backup account on Instagram is Jack underscore greenstock. That is also my name on Twitter. So if you'd like to contact me on any of those social medias, feel free to. You can also email me, jack greenstock47 at gmail.com or uh, message me on my website, 50strains.com. I take messages there as well. Um, and you can also grab a copy of my book, 50 Strains of Green. And, uh, Check it out. So, 50 Strands of Purple is still in the works, working hard to get that finished up, but it's coming slowly but surely, as I always like to say. It's like uh, Activision Blizzard used to say "soon" with all their stuff that they the release, and people used to say "soon" with like a trademark next to it with their announcements. But hopefully, it won't be too much longer. But with that being said, appreciate everybody, all the listeners. You're amazing. I know we only took a few questions tonight. But I uh, really appreciate you guys. And uh, we had a great week last week with you, seeing your gardens and answering questions. So looking forward to seeing you all next week. So Jack, Jack Greenstock signing out. Thank you so much to uh, Spartan Grown who joined us earlier, as well as Kyle Breeder and all the panelists who couldn't join us tonight. Uh, they all have great reasons for that, but uh, we look forward to seeing them again in the future. So peace and love, y'all.
3: And grow, I love, everyone.
0: And for Spartan Grown, keep on
3: growing.